This is Poetry on the Move. In this episode, US-Iranian poet Sholo Wolpe. Sholo Wolpe is an Iranian-born poet, writer and translator whose latest books are a collection of poetry, Keeping Time with Blue Hyacinths, and her highly regarded translation of Attar's Conference of the Birds. Wolpe's literary work includes four collections of poetry, two plays, three books of translations and three anthologies. Her writings have been translated into 11 languages and included in numerous American and international anthologies and journals of poetry and fiction. Shola Wolpe was an international poet in residence at 2018's Poetry on the Move Festival. Here she takes us on a journey through her life and poetry and introduces many of us to the delights of her translation of Attar's work. So uh, I am going to uh, take you on a little bit of a journey. So I was born in Iran, right, to a, <clears throat> to a, a Turkmen a mother and an Iranian father, high above Tehran. We are exiles, children of the dead who melted into the earth without a trace, and I even at 10,000 feet, see this land as my own home, bound. But look, the shadow of this plain flees too. So I went to, um, to Kendal, which is an island uh, off the coast of Venezuela. <clears throat> and I'm not Catholic, but I was sent to a Catholic boarding school. Not boarding school, just a Catholic day school. Lost in Trinidad. Sexless and pale, Mother Superior and her sidekick, Sister Anne, watch me. They say, how do you do? in clenched mouth, British beat, then shepherd me into the school's makeshift chapel, kneel me before a cross and a large framed poster of Madonna and child. Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. You reign now in splendor with Jesus our King. Sister Anne bends over my small form, eyes big as the apocalypse and whispers, this is where we eat the body of our Lord, drink his sacred blood. <laughs> she makes me sit on a red painted cement bench in the yard, hands me a list of English B verbs to memorize, behaving, blending, belonging. My schoolmates gape at my legs white as frosting on a bridal cake, trace their fingers along my collarbone, bumpy cheeks and thick brown eyebrows. I feel like a Persian kebab stick in ugly uniform. The Indian girls won't oil my hair. Too curly, they say. The black girls refuse to braid them, not kinky enough. 
But the music teacher shows me his teeth, says he will teach me English through songs. In the deserted schoolyard, he sits beside me and sings. Yellow bird up high on banana tree. Yellow bird, you sit all alone like me. When he strums his guitar, his six finger wiggles like a fat dangling worm. Um, the, so then, um, my, my father, uh, after a couple of years, he says, well, I don't know what kind of education you're getting there. It's a small village. It's a small island. I'm going to send you to a boarding school in England. And of course, he's sort of kind of very concerned about me being this young girl. He, he himself comes and deposits me in a girls, very strict girls boarding school in southern England, except he didn't know there was a boys boarding school down the street, and they had us over for parties. The Prince. The night of the dance, I wore an ankle-length caftan hiding my body beneath its airy flow. Flat shoes not to be too tall and my roommate's lipstick brighter than orange juice. He was a prince who could have picked any of the boarding school girls, Susie with one eye blue, full-breasted Victoria, or the girl from India with a waist slender as a drumstick tree. But the 16-year-old Saudi royal asked me for the first dance, then the second, then for the rest of the night as boys and girls disappeared into dark corners while chaperones dozed off in the hall, nipping Hennessy from tiny silver flasks. My prince was shy, but not too shy, to slowly drop his hand and squeeze his lips on mine, the knife in his pocket on my groin. On the ride back, the girls taunted me. Camel driver's virgin, imitated my accent. Don't touch the merchandise, mocked me for pushing the fetching prince so hard. He fell on his ass and twisted his wrist. What did he do, stick his finger up your... That night, I packed my bag, slipped out just as the sun exhaled its first breath into night, took the first Eastbourne rail to London. I hid beneath a beat-up hat, collar pulled up, and by the time the headmaster was informed, called the police and my anxious parents overseas. I was at my clueless cousin's boarding house, nibbling baklava, drinking hot tea from a chipped cup. I shivered beside a coin-operated heater, ate fish and chips on yesterday's newspaper, and read Neruda Farrokhzad for a week, Tolstoy and Austin. Quietly, I thanked my father for giving me time to strengthen the sinew that held my heart. It rained, and I didn't go out, avoided my big-boned cousin with her roto-rooter tongue and the nose of our grandmother who could smell anything rotting inside the heart. 
I turned the cracked mirror in my room towards the wall. Someone had scribbled, help, on the back. The rose-splattered wallpaper looked scrubbed with day-old coffee. The lone sofa sagged with the weight of absent occupants, the way my lips still felt the heaviness of that first kiss. In the end, what mattered, I learned, were the smallest blessings, the milk-sweetened tea, or the miracle of scalding water from the ancient bathtub faucet. What counted were my widowed cousin holding her own in a foreign land and the grit to say no to what is hurled. Words, glances, bullets, all. In the meantime, Lots is happening around the world, right? So I'm, I'm, I, go, I go to United States, and like always, it seems the world is, is, is um, falling apart. So there are, um, there are children being sent to war, very close to home. This is, uh, we have the Iran-Iraq war, and of course, you know, uh, 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 then there is the bombing of Afghanistan. It, it's just, it's just a mess. And there is, um, this is, this is uh, about Bahram, a Pakistani 14-year-old held in an Afghan prison. I never seen such days as this. Like the Pied Piper. The mullah drives his battered truck through dusty villages, his loudspeakers singing, join the battle against the infidels, fight for jihad and live eternally for Allah. Lift up your guns for him and you shall never die. Barefoot boys, ragged, hungry from years of hard soil, follow him dancing into the straps of loaded guns, pirouetting into caves and broken buildings. And the boys end up in a land not their own, but are told, God is everywhere. Many die. Others disappear into prison bowels, where each day, if you are 12, 12 filthy men, one after another, if, for, if you are 14, then 14 is your lot. A father sells tea from a cart one cup at a time, washes the tiles of a mosque with a yellow bar of soap to earn the ransom the soldiers exact. Every night in his dreams, his son stands calling, Father, I never seen such days as this. It was hard, so I'm, I'm traveling from city to city, um, searching for home. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm away from home. I don't know what home is. I don't know what country is anymore. Home is a missing tooth. The tongue reaches for hardness, but falls into absence. Uh, who, who's a scuba diver here? Yoo-hoo, wow, good. All right. Uh, I'm going to read uh, 
just just to to get us out of that mood a little bit, because I want to also present some um, translations um, about uh, a scuba diving trip. But you know, the thing is, well, anyway, I'll just read it. The deep dive. Stevie's raisin-colored braids, a shade lighter than his skin, bob up down as the waves punch the boat. His signals go down. I don't. I stay close to the boat, hold tight the taut rope, can't breathe. Not the air in the air, not the air in the tank. My lungs inflate, deflate, but that's beside the point. I can't fucking breathe. And I yell this to the waves, to the boat, to Stevie, who magically surfaces beside me. An aurous brown god in goggles, regulator hose dangling by his mouth. He holds my head between his palms, says, but you are breathing, you are. I look at him, and even in this panic, this feeling of imminent death, I note how beautiful he is. How I could perhaps outlive this storm in this man's brawny arms, let myself go and the hell with the world, with who I am or am supposed to be, with my anxious lover waiting at the shore. Relax, baby, says Stevie. I'll stay with you. He pulls me into his arms and I breathe deep from the tank strapped to my back. Stealthily, he releases air from my jacket, adds a cube of weight to my belt, and down we go, down into the broth of another world. The sea bottom is a sandy desert flush against massive rocks, and there are cacti, tiny Joshua trees, and brown grass dancing to the water currents, silent tango. Time means nothing here. Palestine, Israel, Tehran mean nothing here. My daughter contemplating suicide at 12 means nothing here. Sons in military fatigue, breathing Iraqi air means nothing here. Even women giving life and grenades taking them away mean nothing here. Here, the fish are birds, electric blue fins, wings, and beneath this airless sky, Stevie and I. I want to introduce you to uh, those of you who were not at the panel for translation. I talked about Attar, 12th century Sufi mystic poet. Are you all familiar? I just want to uh, read a, a little bit from it that um, that I had not, that I did not read before. The birds of the world gathered from near and far. They said no nation is without a leader. Why is it that we don't have one? A body without a head is without direction. Let's seek a sovereign without delay. And so they converge to seek a leader worthy of their nation of birds. So now the hoopoe leads the birds, 
right? And the hoopoe, if you know what the, a hoopoe looks like, is this gorgeous bird with this amazing crown. And uh, they say King, they said he, the bird was given that crown because um, it served King Solomon and carried messages between Queen of Sheba and King Solomon. And uh, there was a love story there. So the hoopoe steps forward, hopeful and restless, a wayfarer's cape hung from his shoulders and the crown of truth graced its head, schooled in the ways of the path, the bird's perception was swift. There is a leader for us, I tell you, who lives over there in Mount Gaf. Simorg is that beloved's name, the leader of all birds. Simorg nests in a blessed sanctuary, its name too sacred for just any tongue. A hundred thousand veils of darkness and light hang between that beloved and us. The birds fidgeted anxiously now, impatient to gain admittance to the court of Seymour. Such yearning overcame their spirits that each one stepped forward urgently in love with the beloved and therefore an enemy of its own self. And yet each bird also feared embarking on such a long and distant voyage. So now what happens is that every bird comes up with an excuse to not go, because it's funny, we all want to reach that sublime place, but the moment the time arrives that we actually have to take action, we become fearful. And then we come up with an excuse. We all have excuses uh, not to go. So what was Nightingale, the Nightingale's excuse? The lovesick nightingale stumbled forward, drunk with passion, and so beside itself it knew neither here nor there. It began to speak, and all the birds fell silent. The mysteries of love begin and end with me. I repeat love's teachings each night. The reed wails because of what I reveal. The lute's melancholic notes arise from my chants. Gardens are in a riot because of me. Lovers' hearts burn and burst when they hear my songs. So deeply intoxicated am I with the rose that my own existence is nothing to me. It's demanding to be filled with such love. My desire for the slender rose is sufficient. So the nightingale doesn't want to go because uh, how can it leave the rose? The hoopoe says, you who love only the face and form, don't be so coy in love's grace. Your love for the rose leaves you torn and frayed by its thorns. You are debased by it as much as you are obsessed by it. Yes, for now the face of a rose is beautiful, but give it a week and look again. Give it a week and look again. Loving a thing of such fleeting loveliness brings nothing to the wise but heartache. Give it up, nightingale, for every spring the rose laughs at you, not with you. Have some shame. So, so the birds, each one, have their own excuses. They are fantastic to read. And then I want to 
the last piece from this, uh, this section, this book that I want to read you, is just to show you how entertaining the parables are. There are parables within the story. So that Hupo tells these stories. And some of them, you, you don't expect in a quote-unquote spiritual book, you know. But, but they are they're irreverent, and they're sexy, and they're great. So I'll, I'll read you something that um, I think it's funny. Parable of a donkey who farted. Sheikh Abu Bakr of the city of Neshabur set out for the house of dervishes. And of course, this reminds me of Trump. Followed by his disciples, as he rode on his donkey, the animal suddenly released a fart. The donkey's fart changed the sheikh's mood, and he began to cry and tear at his garment. His disciples, and indeed anyone who saw this, found the sheikh's behavior unbecoming of his lofty station. Someone said, come on, Sheikh. After all, it wasn't you who farted. What's wrong? He replied, now this is the part about Trump. I was looking up and down, enjoying the sight of my disciples, for they numbered as far as the eye could see. At that point, I said to myself, by God, I am no less than the great wise Bayezid. I have such devoted followers that surely on the day of judgment, I'll be able to enter that lofty arena with my head held high. Just as I said this to myself, my donkey farted. <laughs> in other words, to he who boasts in such a manner, the donkey gives his proper answer. <laughs> that is why the fire of shame overtook my soul. My delusions collapsed and my state was altered. So the hoopoe says, whether you're an ascetic or a libertine, when you fall in love, your heart becomes the enemy of yourself, and you'll no longer care about yourself. Therefore, let go of your ego. It's the road's end anyway. Ego is a dam that keeps you from the path. Give up your eyes so that you may see. If you're told to abandon your faith or commanded to give up yourself, who are you to refuse? Renounce them both. Naysayers say, this is blasphemy. Tell them, love is above heresy and faith. What does love have to do with belief or unbelief? What do lovers have to do with life's trappings? Love insists on the heart's bleeding pain. Love demands a gnarled and arduous tale. An iota of love is better than all the worlds. A morsel of lover's pain is better than the lovers themselves. This is a very, very important work. And, um, and it's I spent three years of my life uh, working on it, and it's my gift to you because I feel um, our world is in need of wisdom like that. Uh, when you read these words, you're going to find yourself in it. 
And every time you open that book at random, it's going to give you the answer to you, what you need to know. Sometimes it's a bit harsh, but you have to listen. So I'm going to end up, I'm going to end up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with, uh, with a po poem that I'm going to sing. I'm not a singer, so forgive my voice. Um, I was born at home. My aunt brought me to this world. I was sung in this world, into this world. I came into this world on the same bed I later slept in as a child. My aunt, a midwife, large brown eyes, scarred the shape of the sun on one cheek, sat at the gate of my mother's womb, sang me into this world. Biyo kuchulu, biyo azizam, Inja khayli qashange Biyo 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 kuchulu Biyo azizam nurastu Ovozishku moh Biyo 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 Qalbimun Shukufe kerde Baroyetu Come, little one, Bio. Come, dear one. It's beautiful here. Bio, Bio. Come, come. Come, little one. Come, dear one. We've songs, light, a kind moon, and love. Bio, Bio. Come, come. Hearts here have blossomed to receive you. Don't tarry. Bia, bia. Come, come. It was this song I followed into this world. Today, yellowed by age and cancer, my aunt's sapphire wings are spread. I sit by her bed, make her promise to come for me when it is my time to sing me into the other life with the same song. Biyo kuchulu, biyo azizam, nurastu ovozishkumah. Thank you. That was Shola Wolpe, a poet in residence from last year's Poetry on the Move Festival. This podcast is made possible by IPSI, the International Poetry Studies Institute, and the Centre for Creative and Cultural Research, Faculty of Arts and Design at the University of Canberra. My name is Shane Strange. Thank you for listening.